Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Amongst the many holiday decorations we have on display at our house, because folks, we love decorating for Christmas, is my small but growing collection of nativity scenes. They come from different places around the world. Most have been gifts from loved ones across the years, and each one is uniquely and beautifully crafted and serves not only to remind us of the birth of Christ, but also bring forth a great many memories of Christmas's past. However, the creche that is the centerpiece of that collection, and the one that graces our home just about every Christmas season, is very much a family heirloom. Back in the early 60s, my grandmother Ware crafted each of the ceramic pieces by hand, and they were displayed on a dining room hutch in her house through a great many Christmases while I was growing up. After my grandparents retired, my mother and father had it for a number of years until Lisa and I were married, and it was passed on to us. It's a simple but elegant creche that not only beautifully evokes the nativity story, but also harkens, once again, a number of very good memories, and it's something that's very, very precious to me. In all honesty, though, I have to confess something here, that when I remember being very young at Christmas, this is not the creche that I think of. It was rather one that my grandmother probably had for years before she'd made the new one, and one that she continued to set out even afterward, but down low, on a lower shelf of an end table right where a child could sit down and take a close look at it. Thinking back, it was nothing special. A die-pressed cardboard stable with a hole in the back for a candle bulb to light it up. And with a set of miniature wax figures with paint so chipped away that you could barely tell a shepherd from a wise man. In fact, if memory serves, the angel that held the Gloria in Excelsis Deo banner had part of a wing missing, but none of that mattered. In fact, I have these crystal clear memories of visiting my grandparents as a very young child and spending literally hours at a time arranging and rearranging the figures, so to tell the story of the birth of Jesus in a wide variety of new ways. For instance, sometimes Mary would be set off to one side, having a private conversation with the angel, while Joseph kept watch over the sleeping child. For that matter, Joseph could often be found outside the stable, leading the three wise men, along with their tragically three-legged camel, inside, all the while warning them that they needed to be quiet because the baby had just now fallen asleep. The cow, sheep, and donkey, they'd usually be placed at the edge of the manger itself, as though each one was curiously sniffing the baby that had just been born in their place of residence. And then, of course, there was always that one motley shepherd, the bearded, tattered figure who was standing attentively at one corner of the manger and who was forever carrying that lamb in his arms. He always looked to me as though he'd just arrived from having run from the fields to see this baby. And either had acted so quickly he'd forgotten he still had the lamb, or else, being a good shepherd, it was simply he couldn't bear to leave it behind. Now, this was just childhood play, I know, not to mention early evidence of an overactive imagination on my part. But even now, as I return to the creche, 
I can't help but wonder about all those who were round about the manger on that silent holy night long ago, speculating as to what each one must have been thinking and feeling amid the singular experience of being present as the divine came to earth in the guise of a child, and wondering, however wistfully, how I might have responded had I been there myself. Actually, Scripture gives us relatively little insight into such matters. It suggests that Mary pondered these things in her heart, while the always stalwart Joseph immediately appears focused on caring for Mary and the baby. For me, their visage of grace and serenity has always represented for me the calm and bright quality of Christmas and of God's gift of a Savior. In the same way, the arrival of the Magi, along with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, brings something of a gravitas to the event, as they pay homage to this one who is born King of the Jews. The shepherds, on the other hand, seem to be the ones who are filled to overflowing with the utter joy of this thing that had taken place. And really, why wouldn't they be? After having heard such good news on a cosmic scale, all accompanied by the chorus of a heavenly host, and then to come face to face with this crying newborn in a barn of all places, the one who is in fact the Messiah, the Lord, well, it had to have been, to say the very least, overwhelming. Luke's gospel tells us that when the shepherds returned to their flocks, they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And I suspect that was putting it mildly. After all, when you've just seen the whole world change before your very eyes, it's pretty unlikely that you'll even begin to keep quiet about it. Now, I know that if I had been there, I could never have been as calm and collected as how we usually depict Mary and Joseph. My tendency would have been to fret and stew over the minutiae of taking care of a newborn. And I'd have been the one spending most of my time tending to the lantern, or shooing the animals away from Jesus. And I'm sure that I possess neither the wisdom nor the political savvy of the Magi, as they ultimately outwitted Herod in their quest to find and then to kneel before the child. No, my place at the manger would surely have been amongst that motley assortment of shepherds. And yes, I would have been the one with the lamb still in my arms. But not, I hasten to add, because I'd have been that attentive to the well-being of the sheep, but rather because having heard the glory of the angel's song and then rushing to get to Bethlehem so I could see it for myself, I would have simply been too distracted, too excited, and frankly too slack-jawed and buggy-eyed to pay attention to anything else. Actually, it strikes me here that as Christmas draws near in this very strange and tumultuous year of 2020, you and I would still do well to be so overwhelmed by God's gift of a Savior that everything else all around us, not only the noise and chaos of the world's celebration of the season, but also the weight of its many concerns and struggles, that everything else happening in this world would pale in comparison to what's just about to happen in the manger of Bethlehem. For this will be a sign that in every way that matters, Christ is born in us today and will be with us in Christmas 2020 and always. Truly, may our prayer for this season be that God's vision of peace on earth and goodwill amongst those he loves truly 
come in its fullness. And may we know it's true because it will have already unfolded in each one of us who live as shepherds in search of a stable. And that's it for another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you in this sacred season with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.